You're listening to the Brand Interrupted Podcast, a space dedicated to inspire, teach, and heal through the power of story, resilience, and vulnerability. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brittany Hammond, filmmaker, personal brand strategist, and the founder of Untamed Lifestyle and Business. Each week, I'll be bringing to you guest entrepreneurs, artists, authors, speakers, and influencers, and a series of real, raw, and unfiltered conversations around the courage to be yourself, the audacity to embrace your life and business, and how to speak your truth. Today's guest is Michaela Tevis, and she has a riveting story. She's originally from the Philippines, now living in the States, where she's a registered nurse, and she is one of the certified trainers on the End of Life Care Nursing Education Consortium specializing in pediatrics. Michaela has helped countless numbers of families and patients work through issues ranging from the sniffles to demise. Today, she has launched her coaching business and she continues to use her own acquired knowledge, skills, attitude, experiences, and innate gifts to propel her clients towards joy, success, and a fulfilled way of living. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Brand Interrupted Podcast, episode number three. Today, we are speaking with the lovely Michaela. How are you? Hello there. I am wonderful. I am super excited to be here. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. You have so many elements to your story. I can't wait to dive in and touch on some of these things. But first of all, let's kind of give some of our listeners uh, a little glimpse about you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're working on, what your business is. Okay, okay. So uh, once again, my name is Michaela Tevis. So I, uh, I'm a registered nurse here in the U.S., but have recently transitioned towards uh, transformational life coaching is because I realized there were so many women. There's about, a, well, not generally women, but I realized the, that America was uh, 30, 13% of the population was on antidepressants. And honestly, that's a little bit depressing to me. Um, as a nurse, giving people and patients pills um, all the time and, you know, seeing how anxious they got being dependent on a little pill if it was late for even like 15 minutes, you know, they go crazy. They think, uh, you know, they need it at that exact time. And having gone through a lot of anxiety and, uh, you know, depressive episodes in my life uh, and, you know, overcoming it, you know, I, I've had so many challenges in life and being able to overcome it without actually being dependent on a pill was a big major win for me. And not just that, it was, it's really, it's also all about science. It's, uh, it's called mindfulness-based, uh, mindfulness cognitive cognitive based therapy and yeah just incorporating health healthy mindful practices and you know knowing that you have a choice really made a huge difference in my life and I'd love to help women and uh, anyone and everyone who is uh, going through a lot in their life and you know knowing that they have support and they have someone they can rely on. Absolutely. It's really interesting. And I just wanted to touch on this because it was probably about a decade ago now, um, I was prescribed antidepressants and there was something in me that was, I've just always been very against medicine. Mm -hmm. 
I always, you know, wanted to heal myself naturally. And I, I, and I still to this day have anxiety and I have to find different ways uh, to manage that. But I remember I, they prescribed me the antidepressants and I remember them sitting on my desk and I would stare at them and I was never, I never, I never took them actually. Um, because awesome. yeah, <laughs> I was so against it. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't want to put something in my body that's going to modify my natural state. Mm-hmm. And so at least for me, like I, I just had to get to the root of my anxiety and work through it. And I'm, you know, Michaela and I are in a group program mastermind right now. And, you know, I'm still working on these things now to really manage my anxiety the natural way. So I think that's uh, really interesting. So what would you, what are some tips and techniques that you use to, because you mentioned you have been able to overcome anxiety without medication as well. Yeah, so uh, one of the greatest uh, struggle or challenges in my life in the last 10 years was uh, one, not only was I uh, like a smashing brand new immigrant in the U.S. I've only been in the U.S. for less than 10 years. And, you know, the whole, you know, different scenery, uh, being in a different place, no friends, <laughs> having no friends, you know, and not to mention it was super hard to get a job because I got here after the 2008 recession. And, you know, we were living in this tiny apartment and it was just, it was just a whole new thing. And then finally I'm like, all right, cool. Um, if I finally, you know, few years later, you know, after getting a job and everything, uh, you know, I got married to the, well, he was the love of my life. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, um, you know, one of the few things that I discovered, you know, when we were going through a lot of hard times was that he was a, a narcissist. And, you know, we all have a healthy level of narcissism, but this was a whole different level. You know, I actually went to therapy just once for it. And I discovered, um, you know, uh, well, my therapist said he was a narcissist, but then I went online and found something, what you call a narcissistic personality disorder. And, you know, every characteristic was my (laughs) ex-husband. So, and, um, you know, so, you know, when I was in that very turbulent marriage, there were times where, um, you know, the narcissistic uh, personality disorder just, took over and manipulated me, controlled me. And I didn't see this at first because I didn't know what, you know, I didn't, you know, I was surrounded by people who did not manipulate anyone. So I didn't know that. I I just really thought that there was something wrong with me, that I was wrong and this and that and blah, 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 everything he made me feel. And it pushed me to, towards a lot of anxiety. And I was very depressed I was super depressed. And so, you know, you know, a couple, you know, one to two months into it, you, you get sick and tired of feeling that way. And I'm, you know, what, just like you, I don't believe in, you know, altering my natural state. And so what I did was I decided right then and there that I'm sick and tired of feeling this way. I, it's a mindfulness practice. Um, it's funny it was I just meditated starting two, three months ago and I never really incorporated meditation um, that back then. But what I did was one, I decided I had a choice to be happy. <laughs> and that is, and that meant um, surrounding myself with people who loves me, who pushed me. So, you know, to be better. 
and into getting into activities that, you know, like working out, going to yoga, hiking, and just, you know, uh, activities that, you know, increased my dopamine and endorphin levels. And that, that really helped me. And when I was a better version of myself, I found that I was a better partner and I was able to control some situations, um, you know, that was out of his control and it led to a much more peaceful life for the both of us. Yeah. I have a few um, follow-up questions about that. And I hope I have your permission to go deep and be super, you know, transparent and, and vulnerable. Totally. Go for it. But I want this is the moment that always interests me because I find sometimes we kind of skim over this, but like what, because you said, you had this moment where you were like, enough is enough. But what was that breaking moment? Like, take us back to where you were, what you were doing. What was the, the atmosphere around you? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this is um, ooh, one of those uh, moments where I was actually about to talk about this exact moment in my, uh, with my group uh, this week. So anyway, no big deal at all. So we were having this argument. It was midday on a Wednesday and it just got to a point where he was threatening me. He, that was for the first time in my life that I got scared and that didn't think, you know, that it would get that far, but he was physically threatening me. But, you know, just disclaimer, he never laid a finger at me. It was just all like verbal, you know, mm-hmm. threats. And so I got so scared with the things that he said that I actually just made a run for the you know closest room that I was in and that was our guest bathroom and I locked myself in and I was scared I was terrified I was crying I slumped down to the floor it was cold and you know I, I couldn't think I I was just I was absolutely to you yeah if you're, if you're comfortable sharing of course yeah yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, it was that point I was completely frazzled. My hands were shaking and I, you know, I couldn't think. And, you know, people would say, well, why didn't you call 911 and this and that? Well, uh, well, hello. <laughs> I didn't have my phone on me. I just, you know, ran for safety because I was super scared. And then so after what seemed like maybe an hour of crying and being in shock, being alone in the bathroom, you know, everything actually calmed down. And I think I heard the door, um, you know, the front door open and something and he left and I felt I was safe again and I was able to get back into reality and just, you know, get into my thoughts and just, you know, self-reflect of what is happening? What, how did this happen? Like, how did it get this far? And from then and there, I decided that, you know, I would take better control of the situation in my life and not to feel that way and not to let, you know, get, uh, not to have situations run out of control that bad. And that was the moment. Wow. There's something that, and this is really based on a lot of my own personal curiosity, because I recently um, learned about a family member because uh, I did experience a lot of abuse growing up, but I, it was so similar to you. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And then I just very recently realized like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I've also, you know, to get myself out of that victim mode, I've had to really take ownership for my own behavior. I also dated a narcissist again, 10 years ago at that exact time that I was prescribed antidepressants. <laughs> wow. Um, but I didn't, I just learned he was a narcissist, uh, probably like three weeks ago. 
Um, but do you believe that we can, do you believe that we have to take ownership for how we attracted these types of people in our life? Not that it's our fault, but we can recognize like maybe we didn't, maybe we had weaknesses or our boundaries weren't strong enough. What, what's oh, yeah. your on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, a lot of narcissists uh, are very charming. <laughs> they're very charming. They're, uh, you know, they love success and they're usually in positions with, uh, you know, authority. So we, we, you know, as women, you know, we, we, I think we're naturally attracted to those or if, you know, we have a lower sense of, um, you know, self-worth. Self, yeah, self-worth. Mm-hmm. You know, we like to partner with someone who, who we think has a high self-worth. You're like, oh my gosh, they're, wow, they're, you know, what, they're a lawyer or they're a doctor or they're, they're a politician, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of nurses are in these, uh, you know, high authority level. They, they're, they, they're usually in those kind of positions. And yeah, if we're not very in touch with our self-worth and ourself and our self-value, we, we tend to get too attracted to those things. And the thing is, we don't even realize it until we're in it. And then, you know, we you know, self-reflect and say, what is wrong with me? You know? And then, yeah, that's where you start to do a lot of self-reflection and realize that, yeah. I mean, you know, it takes you to tango. We all have some part in any situation. Mm-hmm. So are, did you guys split, like s- split ways or are you, did you, how did you reconcile Yes, actually we did, but it wasn't because of that. Our relationship actually became okay once I started to care for myself. You know, part of, uh, you know, being in a relationship is how we show, show up, right? And, you know, the moment that um, I, you know, valued myself more, increased my self-worth and, you know, took care of myself, our relationship was actually better. But what I didn't know at that point was that um, he was unfaithful to me and that was when uh, I that was the tipping point it was now yeah I couldn't do it I lost respect for my unfortunately I lost respect for him and you know when you you don't have respect for anyone anymore that's just not good and it's just going to be unhealthy so you know we tried we tried Mm -hmm. we went to marriage counseling we took time for ourselves but it just, I, I lost respect. That was the unfortunate part. And, uh, you know, it took a while, but um, it took a lot of um, work. But, you know, being able to forgive myself for not, uh, you know, doing some self-reflection or caring myself, caring for myself soon enough. And I was able to forgive myself and in turn forgive him. And, you know, we, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we both love each other. You know, it, it's not going to go away. Um, you know, we're humans. We care. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, it was a, but the best way to love a narcissist really is to distance yourself, uh, from them. That's the best form of self love you can do for yourself as well Mm -hmm. as, yeah, for for them. That's really interesting. Do you think that he noticed when you started, um, practicing more self love, do you think that, that he noticed that and and wasn't getting, I guess like a narcissist kind of gets a high off of, you know, kind of pushing people down. Do you think that he noticed that change in you? 
Uh, you know what? I th- <laughs> part of me thinks that um, the reason why I'm quote unquote like feeling better or that he, he probably thinks it was all because of him that he pushed me. You know, like he, he thought he was all good and you know, I mean, our are all high up in their high horse and everything. So right. he probably thought you know, he he was the reason why I'm doing so much better. But partially, yes, if you know, he didn't uh, push me to that point, I wouldn't be able to really um, do a very deep self-reflection. But yeah. What would you say has been one of your greatest struggles in life? Ooh, that's a lot. One was, yes, definitely um, the turbulent episodes of my marriage um that was that it was just um like I said you know I grew up in a in a like my parents were happy we were you know they never fought in front of us they had you know um and you know it was a very loving family and my mom was not uh you know like was not a very controlling manipulative woman so I didn't really know what being super controlling and manipulative was I didn't know what it looked like and so you know that struggle from from not seeing it failing to recognize it to recognizing it was just really mind blowing because it was like a complete whole new world for me imagine like in my you know that's when i discovered it <laughs> you know i always thought you know people were good everything was meant for good and you know when you do good you receive good it was it was all good it was all good and love and that was um you know just you know recognizing that oh my gosh I got myself in this. How did I not see that? That was a, you know, a real struggle to kind of take the blame off of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have any other moments, uh, like any other reoccurring themes? Cause I know there's so many, there's so many ways that, cause I was reading your backstory that you sent me and there's so many different, I knew you wanted to focus on this particular yeah. aspect but are there any other like reoccurring themes of things that um you really had to like let go of or any patterns that that you had in your life oh yes there's there's a lot there, there's a lot and if I talk about everything <laughs> we're not gonna finish this I'm just gonna go on a tangent here but uh, yeah there was a lot there was um Oh my goodness. Uh, for, well, first of all, forgiving my family, you know, at first I was blaming them for why are we here? It's so hard and this and that, you know, I mean, immigrating to the U.S. It was like, why are we here? This is so hard. Why did we come here at such a bad time? Look, it's hard for me to get a job and this and that. Right. But mm-hmm. um, I also decided to, you know, snap out of it and just, all right, well, I'm here. What are we going to do? We are in the land of opportunity. There should be some opportunities around here. I just, you know, need to work harder or look for it harder rather or find ways. So there was one, yeah, definitely forgiving uh, my parents and then, yeah. <laughs> for, our, for our listeners, um, just l- tell us a little bit about what led you to moving to the States. Well, my parents have been, uh, I mean, why not? Everybody, you know, this is the land of opportunity. Um, and my family thought it would just be really the best for us. Uh, we were working on this since uh, late 2000, early 90s. But, you know, my parents never thought, um, yeah, they were comfortable. They liked where they were. They were stable and everything. But I guess, you know, when our family got bigger and uh, saw that, um, you know, there's 
more room for growth here and where your a lot of your hard work actually pays off, they decided, yeah, I think this is what's best for our family. And so, yeah, the, they did that. <laughs> we did that. Did that leave you feeling like you had a, like a cultural and like an identity disconnect from where you were from and from your roots? Yeah, absolutely. Yes and no. Because um, so I'm from Philippines and um, after we were liberated from, you know, the Spanish colony, um, the U.S. troops actually were in the Philippines and they introduced, um, you know, the educational system, um, democracy, uh, public educational system, reading and everything. So a lot of our, um, you know, part of our culture or, you know, what we know is, uh, is very Americanized. Mm-hmm. So yes and no, there were, there were, you know, obviously America is much more liberated and uh, there's a lot of, whatchamacallit. Um, yeah, there's just some differences, you know, that's more westernized compared to where I came from. But it, it was like 50-50 for me. Mm-hmm. It was 50-50. We were very exposed to, you know, the American movies and films. <laughs> so yeah. And uh, my parents and I, um, lived around the world when I was growing up. And I think that's just, you know, where I learned how to talk in English. I just had to learn how to speak in English. So it wasn't that, you know, big of a deal for me. Uh, what the big deal for me was having to, um, you know, I was, I was, I just got out of college and I was in this new place and then, oh my gosh, you're not hiring. I, I you know, it was, it was more on that. Culture wise, it was 50, 50. Uh, I, I eased into it. Um, yeah, I didn't have a lot of, um, we were in a place where there weren't a lot of um, diversity. And so I just slowly eased into it with our neighbors and, uh, you know, going to the city and yeah. So it was 50-50. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, um, so I'm Canadian, I'm from Toronto and I've actually, I feel like as I'm saying this, everything was like lining up. Um, 2009, so narcissist boyfriend, antidepressant, <laughs> and I ended up leaving my country. <laughs> oh my, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just realized that as I was saying it, uh, that was a pivotal year for me, obviously. Um, but I moved, I moved away originally for school and then I ended up staying here in France where I've been now for nine years. And people would always ask me like, why did you move? Why did you leave? You know, this amazing country. And I never really knew how to respond so I'd come up with like, oh, I love the food and the culture and, you know, kind of surface level responses. Um, but it took me until now, oh, in the past few years to really realize that I almost had to like completely detach myself from everything I knew to then find myself again in a new country. And the reason why, you know, I talk about like recurring themes and patterns in life is because the things I struggled with in Canada I manifested the same issues here. It's like different continent, same problems. <laughs> wow, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, what what is it? What does your life look like? You living to the like, what is the highest version of you? What does that look like? What does that feel like? What's your definition of of living up to the highest? you know, best possible version of yourself? 
I believe it's when you reach the point of self-awareness. Now, we're, we're all self-aware at some point in our lives, you know, and when you're a teenager, your self-awareness is, you know, a different level. In your 20s, it's a different level. Every time we, you know, reach a different point or um, chapter in our lives, you know, we all, you know, have a different point of view. And I believe when you are self-aware, that's when you are, uh, that's, I believe that's where your highest self is. You know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. according to, there's this theorist, uh, his name is Maslow, last, last name Maslow. So he had this uh, little pyramid about the basic human needs and uh, the lower tier or the lowest uh, or the first level rather was, um, you know, our basic physiological needs like shelter, food, water, air. You know, if you have that, you know, you can go into the next level, which is um, safety and security. So, you know, when you feel safe and secure, you know, having a home, being in a safe neighborhood after your physiological needs have been met, then you can go up to um, love and belongingness. So, which is, you know, when really when you are able to take care of yourself and you're in a better situation, you know, you start to look for love and all that. And then, once you know you find that love and belongingness, you go up to self awareness. That's uh, really that. That's the stage I went through. You know, it's not just the theory, but you know, after I found all that, you know, and the love, belongingness, safety, mm-hmm. and all that, it's when I start to realize, you know, I was more self aware of what, um, you know, my inability to see things and not see things. It was it was just really mind blowing. That's yeah, it was a whole different level of self awareness in my marriage, a different level of self-awareness being an immigrant. And right now, um, post-divorce and everything, uh, yeah, it's a whole different level of self-awareness as well. You know, I'm, you know I have a different life now, a uh, different circle of friends. It's just, yeah, I believe we, you know, we reach a peak and every new chapter requires a different level of you and it's going to be different Mm, do you feel like your (laughs) ex-husband is that you guys were married yes okay do you feel like he was a gift to you to like Mm. be able to move to that next level of self-awareness absolutely Absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think every day, you know, life gives us gifts and we just don't see it. And this gift was a big lesson. And I believe what has led me to, um, you know, to go towards a mission of greater good. You know, if it wasn't for him, if it, if that didn't happen, I would still be the usual naive, oh, everything is good. And, you know, I mean, I know there are bad people in the world and there's, you know, terrorism and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I went through a lot in my life to know that, you know, there are bad people, but um, there's another story. I'll tell you some other time regarding <laughs> a family member. <laughs> we'll touch on that, you know, but yeah, it, yeah I really believe yeah yeah everything I learned from that marriage just um pushed me towards becoming more self-aware and looking at things and people in a different way and just expanding my learning and you know what has led me to this mission in helping others you know pull through the anxiety and depression you know without having to depend on pills yeah 
I, I love that, like, this is just the foundation of my work. Like, I love kind of connecting the dots. I mean, you obviously know I'm all about brand story. Yeah. <laughs> it's like piecing everything together. But I just think this is so fascinating because, like, I can relate in so many ways. And I know, like, I always had anxiety, I mean, from, like, childhood trauma. But my ex-narcissist, like, amplified that, like, crazy and... I always thought it was him. And then I realized over the years when I was in certain situations, like, no, my anxiety, like paralyzing anxiety could come back. And so I had to actually learn, like, no, I have to heal myself. Um, yeah. And not put that, um, not the blame, but really just take, you know, responsibility and ownership for, you know, how can I help myself? And, uh, you know, not attract other people like that in my life. So I'm curious for you, um, is there anything, you know, what, what did you really have to heal in yourself to let go of that and become this version of yourself? Ooh, that's a super deep question. What did <laughs> I have to heal within myself, uh, to reach this version? Um, really it was, healing myself um how do I say this <laughs> acknowledging my weaknesses yeah I had to you know um really go deep into that and acknowledge that yes this part of this was my fault um I was very naive and just acknowledging my my weaknesses and forgiving myself really helped me heal um a lot what would you say one of your weakness, other than being naive, what was one of your weaknesses? Uh, it would be impatience. <laughs> yeah, impatience, um, lack of uh, perspective. You know, I was just looking at it from my own perspective and not the other person's perspective. There was that, um, you know, sticking to my values, I get, you know, instead of being flexible about how people see things was, uh, was one. And, uh, Ooh, my favorite, it's, um, a weakness is giving care or giving too much F F's, you know, fun, fun. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a weakness. I cared, uh, uh, you know, it's funny, um, Jennifer talked about this, you know, we were, from the time that we were younger, we were taught that, you know, women are, you know, the homemaker and we give and give and give, but, uh, and that's how I was raised. Um, you know, we give, um, in my culture, you know, we were taught to be obedient and not assertive. Uh, I was only taught being, how to be assertive, um, later on in college, <laughs> you know, uh, and in the professional life. So yeah, we're taught to be obedient, not assertive, to be, to be uh, kind and respectful instead of, you know, standing your ground. I mean, you know, um, you know, basically just letting people say their opinions and talk about themselves and just, you know, not, you know, not argue with them or, you know, in a healthy way. So yeah, giving, uh, you know, caring too much for others and not leaving some for myself or, you know, giving from a cup of overflow was was my weakness that was the biggest um thing that I had to forgive myself for and had to learn how to fill you know refill it oops that's my sorry my alarm's going off <laughs> that's our timer <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, So I guess just wrapping up, what, what would you say to someone? I feel like this is a really important question. What would you say to someone who is going through some type of, you know, emotional turmoil and is on the brink of like, you know, do I self-medicate? Do I go on antidepressants? Like, what would you say to this person uh, for them to not (laughs) go down the medical route? Oh, mindfulness, mindfulness, take care of yourself first, Uh, do things that make you happy, go back and, you know, think about the things that make you happy and use that as, and take that as your pill instead of going to the pharmacy and getting one. Mindfulness, go back, start with the basics, start with what makes you happy. Go back when you were as a child, what did you enjoy doing? Go back to that and go back to the people that make you happy. Surround yourself, whether it's your best friend, your mom is your best friend. That works too. (laughs) You know that, yeah. So mindfulness, just being aware of, um, yeah, the things and the thoughts that make you happy before you decide to go down that road. I know. I want to just add this, and I know it's a controversial topic, but in the spirit of being (laughs) honest, um, that was the big thing for me. Like, I'm going to say this is valid for me. Like, in my bouts of depression, the times I was feeling depressed is when I was not doing what really lit up my soul. And I found that when I started you know, living in alignment. I know this is like a big buzzword right now, but when I started living in alignment and really doing the things that I felt like I was meant to do, mm-hmm. that depression like melted away. And Yay. it only comes back um, in moments. I mean, I say this, we were just on Jen's call like last week. In the moments when I'm not in alignment, those feelings will come back. But when I do go back to my childhood and I think of like what made me happy, um, and I'm able to start living by my desires, um, that imbalance kind of, you know, balances itself out. So I wanted to, uh, I know Michaela, you're starting a business. So maybe, uh, just share with our listeners a little bit, uh, what we can look forward, uh, to learning more from you, maybe website, social media, tell us where we can find you. Yes, definitely. I am super excited to be meeting and greeting everyone. You can find me at themindshiftcatalyst.com. So you could also email me at Michaela T at themindshiftcatalyst.com if you'd like to um, get in touch with me. And yeah, that's the easiest way to find me. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you so much to our listeners. Uh, let us know in the comments what your top takeaways are. Awesome. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Brittany. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brand Interrupted Podcast. I so appreciate you and your time. And to show that appreciation, I want to give you a free gift. Head on over to www.untamedrevolution.com forward slash gift to get instant access to my free four-part video series all about using the power of story, vulnerability, and resilience to make an impact and grow your business. We'll see you next week on the show. Bisous for Paris. Ciao, ciao.